We must take ownership of our identity, that we really are the church, and allow that identity to affect how we live our lives. Because listen, if I am the church, if that is who I am, if that is my identity, then there are so many things that I just can't let myself ignore any longer. I just can't let myself ignore it any longer. Like when I understand this is my identity, this is who I am made to be, that I am grafted into the family of God, which is the body of Christ, which is the church in this world, that it's not just an institution. It's, 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 it's really not that. It's not this, this institution, institutional global thing that, you know, is, is, is filled with like steeples and cathedrals and, you know, pews and, and, and hymnals and all that stuff, like robes. Like that's not really what the church is. The church is the people of God on mission in this world to do what Jesus asked us to do. And when I understand that, and then there are so many things that I see around me in the church and outside of the church that I just cannot ignore. I can't let myself ignore. And so what it does is it, it should cause me to take more ownership of the mission of the church in this world. Right? To understand that it's not just a mission that is, that is, that is specific to a select group of pastors and leaders, but that, that the mission of the church in the world is my mission. That this is, this is, this is my purpose. That this is, this is why God has me on this planet to partner with him in, in, in the great, you know, missionary work of God on planet earth. When I understand my identity as being the church, it causes me to then take more ownership of the health of the church. So then I don't just look at it as like a place that I go. I look at it like this is my family and there's a part of it that's not healthy. And so how can I help make it healthy? How can I use my time, my talent, my resources? How can I use my energy? How can I use what God has given me to help make this part of the church healthy? Uh, we are in week two of a teaching series called Made for More that I really hope would would launch us into 2023 with great intentionality, great purpose. Uh, listen to me, I, I believe that you and I were made for more. And uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, as we continue this series, I'm just going to be challenging you to refuse to allow yourself to settle for anything less than the more. To let your heart be stirred in these early days of the new year with a fresh vision for Jesus and his kingdom and that you would allow that fresh vision to really guide your life in a way that settling for anything less just would not be an option for you. So in, in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 20, the Apostle Paul gives us some of the most famous words that we have in the entire New Testament. He says this, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Everybody say immeasurably more. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So I love this verse, right? It's, it's, a, it's a pillar verse in my life. It's a Hall of Fame verse. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, um, uh, a refrigerator magnet verse or a coffee cup verse that people have, and uh, many of us are familiar with it. But I love it for lots of reasons. One of the reasons is I think it just simply communicates the truth that there is actually more, and that the more that God has is impossible to measure. In other words, God has a lot more that he wants to do, more that he can do. God has more on his mind. God has more up his sleeve. And the more that God has is impossible for you and I to measure, right? So I really built this series on this, this thought or this question uh, that I asked last week, and I'm going to ask it again next week, but have you ever considered that God may have more for you? Go ahead and throw that. Yeah, have you ever considered that God may have more for you? that perhaps there is more to following Jesus than what you have experienced up until now, that perhaps you've yet to peak. 
right? That perhaps, um, you know, you have yet to experience all that there is on a spiritual level. So in C.S. Lewis's very famous, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, at the beginning of the book or the movie, whichever you prefer, I'm more of like a movie guy, but whatever you prefer, uh, at the beginning we see the children uh, all uh, playing hide, hide and seek in this huge mansion, right? And the youngest sibling, Lucy, she goes off to, to hide and she enters into this room that is completely empty except for a wardrobe that's on the, the far side of the room. And she's trying to escape being seen by her siblings, so she goes into this room goes all the way over to the wardrobe, opens it up, gets in, and moves towards the back of the wardrobe. You remember how it goes? And she's, she's trying to, to, even if they open the doors, that she would still be unseen. So she's moving, and what she finds is that, is that uh, you know, uh, she keeps being able to move further back and further back and further back until she finds herself in a snow-covered forest, right? And she, she realizes that pretty soon that what she has found is, is that the wardrobe is this doorway into this, this whole new world called Narnia, now, what I like about the story is that I, I look at it and I, and I just think it's, it's pretty amazing because I think that, you know, Lucy could have just come into Narnia and she could have decided, you know, that that was enough. She could have just stayed right there in the entryway or in the doorway into Narnia. She could have, she could have made a fire. She could, have, she, she could have camped out there, but she would have completely missed out on all that this new world had to offer. You see, I think in a similar way, I think that many people have opened the door to a new life with God, but instead of exploring and experiencing the kingdom, they've remained camped out just inside the door. And that there is so much more to be experienced, to be, to be known, to be explored about God and about his kingdom than what most people will ever do. So I want to just tell you this morning that there is more. And I believe that if we're going to find the more, if we're going to discover the more that God has, that it's going to require us to take way more ownership of our spiritual development, way more ownership of, of our faith, of our growth in the things of God. As a lot of you know, uh, just, just by being here, you know, um, my job is that of a pastor, right? Um, my job is that of a pastor. And so what that essentially means is that my job is to help you take spiritual steps, right? My, my job is to help move you in a very specific direction, to make sure that you don't just stay where you're at, but to help move you in a very specific direction, to help move you towards spiritual health, or to help move you towards spiritual maturity in the things of God. I would say even to help you, to help move you towards spiritual satisfaction, right? There are so many people who just are not spiritually satisfied, and so my job is to help move people towards a place where like the deep longings of their soul are satisfied in God, are satisfied in Jesus. And so if that's true, right, if that's, if that's my job to help help you take spiritual steps, and I want you to hear something. If you're, if you're breathing air today, I want you to know that God has another step for you, right? That there is actually more. God has another step for you. There is, there is more that God has on his mind for you than what you have experienced up until now. And so I want you just to engage with a thought I have for you on the screen here, and it's, 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 it's this. The primary way that we discover the more is about refusing to settle. The primary way that we discover the more is by refusing to settle. It's by refusing to coast. It's by refusing to be satisfied. It, it requires a level of hunger in us to, to experience all that God has, to make sure that I, I don't ever get to a point of just being, being okay and satisfied with what I have, uh, what I have uh, experienced or tasted up until now. So 
A lot of you guys know uh, some of my background, and for those of you that don't know, a huge part of my background is that I really grew up in church. Like, I really grew up in church. There are those who grew up in church, and then there are those who really grew up in church. I'm one of the ones who really grew up in church, right? Like, my family had us in church on Sunday morning and Sunday night. We were there on Wednesday night, and if there was a revival that week, like, we were in church every night, you know? I, like, I really grew up in church. How many of y'all grew up around church? Spent a lot of time growing up around church. There, there's, there's a lot of us in here. Here's what I've noticed about people who have grown up around church, is that, is that for, for most people who have spent a lot of time around church, they have, they have come to a point where they have kind of found a place where they're comfortable. Most people who have spent a lot of time around church have kind of, have kind of settled into their comfort zone or to a place that they're comfortable. They've kind of found their resting place. And a resting place, on a spiritual pers- uh, uh, perspective here, is, is a place where you've kind of stopped. It's where you've slowed down. It's where you've become content with where you're at. And, uh, and, and so this series is really built on this, this idea, this passion in me that, to just come alongside you and just nudge you a little bit and say, hey, don't stop, don't rest, don't slow down. I want to nudge you because I want you to be able to get everything that God has for you. Listen to me, there are so many people that I talk to who just simply are not thriving in life. So many people who are, who are just in survival mode. There, there, there are so many people who have this thinking that, you know, one day I'm going to get to heaven, but until then, I've just sort of got to get through this life here on earth, and that's the entirety of their spiritual vision. I'm just here to tell you that there is so much more that God has for you than that. And that in this life, you really can flourish. In this life, you know, you, you, you really can experience the more. You don't just have to survive, you can flourish. When I'm preaching, I can get a better amen than that, right? Like, you can flourish. Like, so, so listen to me. That, that, that word is interesting, right? Like, we don't use that word a lot um, in, in our everyday language, uh, flourish. At least I don't. In, in fact, if you came up to me and you said, hey, Pastor Jordan, how you doing? I'm probably not going to say I'm, I'm flourishing right now, right? Um, or if you walk up to somebody at work who's really excelling in their job and you want to just encourage them, you're not going to say, hey, man, you're so flourishing right now. That's just not a word that we use a whole lot, but it's, it's really all throughout the Bible we see this word. And so since we don't use it a lot today, uh, I think we got to get a good understanding of it. And so look at this definition with me of the word flourish. It means to thrive, to prosper, to grow or develop in a healthy, vigorous way, especially as the result of a particularly favorable environment. It's a really good definition. So keep that in your mind right here. Because King David talks about this in Psalm 92. He says this in, in Psalm 92, verse 12. He says, the righteous will, what's the word? He says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, okay? Verse 13, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. That's awesome. That is awesome. That is a promise in scripture. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, even in old age, right? That's amazing. Proclaiming, the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. So according to David here, uh, who, who is it that flourishes? It's those who, those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Scripture doesn't say that, that those who go to church sometimes and try their best not to sin flourish. Scripture tells us that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of God. And so there, there's really a lot to unpack here in these verses. I don't have a time, you know, all the time uh, to do that today. And so here's essentially what these verses are saying. If you're taking notes, it's saying that the environment you're in determines the level in which you will flourish. So 
So it's communicating this concept that there is more for you. There's more for you on a spiritual level, right? Like, like get that in your head for a minute. Just imagine that, that there is more for you in terms of your relationship with God, in terms of spiritual fulfillment, in terms of purpose and meaning in life and in this world. There's more for you. And the Bible says that, that the environment you're in determines the level in which you will flourish. So if you want to flourish, you got to get in the right environment. Did you know that there is actually a part of our country in the United States that does not flourish? There, there is a part of our country that does not flourish. It is uh, dead. It is dry. It is, it is a place called Death Valley, California. In fact, look at this picture here. This is Death Valley, California. Anybody ever, ever been there or, or been through it? Yeah, probably haven't uh, stopped there. Um, but I've driven through it uh, several times. This is the hottest, driest place in America. No one lives there. There's no farms there. There's no cattle there. There's no plants. There's nothing. No one, no one lives in Death Valley. Nothing lives in Death Valley because the environment in Death Valley is not conducive for flourishing. Okay? It's, it's not conducive for life. Interestingly enough, a strange phenomenon happened in 2004, and scientists don't really know how it happened because of where uh, Death Valley is located geographically and that it just never rains there at all. But in the winter of 2004, there were seven inches of rainfall that fell on Death Valley over a 24-hour period. Nothing happened immediately. There was nothing noticeable that happened immediately. In fact, just in a few, within a few days, it got hot enough again that the ground dried. And there was seemingly zero effect to what had happened. But a few months later, right, by, by the spring of 2005, the entire landscape of Death Valley looked different. They called this a super bloom. Go ahead and look at this picture. This was Death Valley in the spring of 2005. And so it's interesting because in the spring of 2005, you know, scientists and, and, and people in that region must have realized uh, as they look at, at the blooming, you know, reality, the super bloom there in Death Valley, you must have realized that they had misna misnamed Death Valley because Death Valley wasn't dead, it was dormant. The potential for beauty was actually always there. It just needed some water. It just needed some rain. And I, I just want to tell you, like, I, this, is, this is such a, a powerful picture for, I think, where some of you might be, where so many people are that I get to pastor and interact with on, on, on a daily basis, people that I've pastored over the years, because the potential for beauty in, in your life and in mine and so many others, it's always been there. It's in your life right now. It just needs, some, it just needs to be in, in, in a proper environment. It needs, to, it needs to have some rain. So again, my job as a pastor is to help you take spiritual steps. That's why, that's why you find that the, maybe the messages that we teach around here aren't just like soft and easy all the time. Sometimes they're challenging because we're trying to get you to move, to take a step. Again, follow, like I said last week, following Jesus, that concept of following Jesus requires movement. If you're following something, you are moving, are you not? And so what I wanna make sure is that you're not a past tense follower of Jesus, like, hey, I, at one point I followed him and now I've stopped. I want to make sure that you and I are people who are present, present tense followers of Jesus. And so my job is to help you take spiritual steps, uh, to help you see that there is actually more for you. And if you're, if you're taking notes, my belief is that for many of you, beneath the surface of your life are seeds of potential, and all they need is the right environment to see something beautiful happen. And I just, I hope, I hope, more than anything, in a couple weeks, we get done with this series, 
We start moving on into the year that, that somehow you've, you know, through, through the Holy Spirit, allowing him to move in your life, that there, there is like a fresh vision you've let be stirred up in your heart about Jesus and his kingdom. And there's something fresh that you're kind of anchored in and trying to go after. And that you'll understand that there is like more to following Jesus than what you've experienced and that there is this, this seed inside of you that God just wants to water and God wants to see this thing grow so that you can experience the more. Everybody say, God has more. Say it again, God has more. Here's the deal, you have to believe that. You have to believe that so that you, you, you can pursue it. You have to actually believe that, that there is more. Otherwise, you'll never find yourself pursuing it. Uh, look at this with me. Your life is a seed. Your life is a seed. Now, a seed has tremendous potential. A seed has the potential to grow, to thrive, to multiply, to produce fruit, to be a blessing to others. The list goes on and on and on. Um, you know, uh, you know, teaching on this in this part of the country, I think most everybody understands this, right? Um, interestingly enough, a seed that is not planted has no ability to ever achieve its potential, right? Is that, is that just like basic uh, understanding of, of like uh, ag right here, right? A seed can only grow if it is planted, am I right? Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a very famous parable. It's the parable of the sower, and it says this in verse three, that then he told them many things in parables, saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering his seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because, uh, because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. And then Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. So what is this parable telling us? Like, what is Jesus really getting at here? A lot of things, actually, right? Because there's, there's always, like, 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 multiple messages being communicated through a parable. But, but uh, in keeping with our application here uh, this morning, here's what, here's what this, this story means. Again, that the environment you are in determines the level in which you will flourish. That the environment you are in determines the level in which you will flourish. So the seed that falls on the path, right, it won't grow. Why? It's in the wrong environment. So the seed that falls on rocky places, it won't grow. Why? Because it's in the wrong environment. The seed that, that falls among the thorns, it won't grow. Why is that? It's in the wrong environment. Environment now, like if if I just had uh, a bag of seed up here, you know, let's say I had a bag of corn seed or or, or soybeans or whatever, I just had a bag up here. Uh, I, I how many of y'all know? Like I could go and get like the best seed that you can buy out there, uh, and and I could and I could bring it up here and I could pour it out on this stage, and even give it a year to do its best. But but just pouring it out here on the stage and leaving it here for a year, how many of y'all know? Like nothing's gonna happen. Like it's not gonna grow. It may, it may have, it may be some of the, the, the most, you know, top quality seeds you can find. There may be all this potential inside this seed to do, you know, so much, but it's never, it's never gonna actually happen unless it is planted. In fact, that seed is just a complete waste because it's being used in the wrong environment. Being used in the wrong environment. And so Matthew 13 tells us that it was only the seed that fell on good soil that could actually grow because it was planted in the right place. It was planted in the right 
environment. And according to Psalm 93, right, the Psalm of David, the environment that enables you to flourish, to find the more, to kind of be awakened to the possibility of there being more, the environment where you are meant to flourish is the church. Being planted in the house of the Lord is what enables you and me to flourish. It's what enables us to find the more. Like so, you're the seed, I'm the seed. There is so much potential that exists inside of us, but if we don't get ourselves planted in the right place, none of that potential will ever matter. None of it will ever matter. And let me just make something really clear today. And, and, you know, I'm, I, I, look, I, I understand that, that's, that, that the teaching where, where I'm headed today, it can come across as a little bit self-serving because I'm a pastor, I believe in the church, you know, I, run, I run, help run our church uh, you know, with our leaders, but, but this, is like, this is what the scriptures teach, and I want you to catch this, okay? Simply going to church whenever it's convenient for you isn't the same thing as being planted. It's not the same thing. Here's why, look at this with me, because church isn't a destination to which you attend, it's an identity inside of you. It's an identity inside of you. The church is a posture, it's who you are. It's who you are. Now, if that is true, if, if, that is, if, if, if I'm correctly understanding what the church is, is you know, that it's not a location, but that it, is, that it is people, that it is us, then think about how odd it is to ask ourselves if we're going to go to church this weekend or not. Like, think about how odd that thought is. Like, are we going to go or not? Like, wait, what do you mean? That, that's, that's, that's as bizarre as me asking my kids if they want to breathe oxygen, you know? That's as bizarre as, as, as me Asking my kids, hey, are you, in the, are you in the mood to breathe some oxygen today? Like, you know, like, like, tell me. You know, so the church, it just isn't a destination to which you attend. It's a posture. It's who you are. It's who you are. Now look at this with me. Those who are planted, those who are planted experience a much different life than those who simply go to church. Because when you're planted, your roots grow deep. Okay. So, I mean, I, again, I'm, I, have, I have experiences with lots of different types of people, and I know those uh, people that I have pastored who are planted, and I know those who are not, and there's just a difference with how their life goes. This is how you flourish, and this is how you find the more to life. You let yourself become planted in the house of the Lord. Let me show you what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 17:8 says, He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So Jeremiah tells us that when the roots grow deep, what happens? When the roots grow deep, what happens? When the roots grow deep, then you don't fear when the heat comes. When the roots grow deep, you're not worried about the drought. How many of you right now maybe have some, some heat in your life, some spiritual heat? some trials? How many of you have some, are walking through an experience or a time in your life where there's, it feels like there's a drought, it feels like things are drier than they've normally been? Listen to me, when my roots go deep, when I actually allow my roots to grow deep, then I'm not worried like everyone else is worried. When, 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 when the challenges of life come, when things unexpected happen, I'm not as worried like everybody else because I'm connected to a source that is greater than any problem that may exist on the surface, the roots of my life grow deep and they grow wide. Now, when I was a kid, um, my family took a trip out to uh, Yosemite National Park. Uh, I don't know if any of you have been out there, but 
uh, we went out to Yosemite National Park to see the redwood trees. And uh, if you've never seen the redwood trees, they're absolutely fascinating. In fact, you can kind of sh show them that first picture there. Uh, they're absolutely fascinating. Uh, the redwood trees are the tallest living things on planet Earth. They can literally grow to be 30 stories high, and they can even be three stories wide. They're, they're enormous. How in the world does a tree grow 30 stories high? I'll tell you how, how they do that. It's, it's their roots, right? Their roots grow deep, and their roots grow wide. Their root system can go out over 100 feet, up to 150 feet down and parallel to the ground. And what happens is you've got this one 30-story high tree with roots going deep, and then over here you've got another 30-story tree with roots going deep. And what happens is their roots actually begin to intertwine with each other. So, so you go out there and you see all of these trees, these red, redwood trees, and their root system under the ground is all intertwined with each other, locking them together. Beneath the ground where nobody sees, there's this support system. And it sustains the strength and the growth of what is happening above the ground. Interestingly enough, you know, the redwoods are these massive trees, right? But if they are planted individually by themselves, they're actually prone to falling over. So there are these enormous trees that can grow, grow up really tall, but if they're just by themselves, in other words, if there's no other redwood trees near them, they're prone to falling over. Uh, it's only when they are intertwined with the roots of other trees that they can sustain high winds and severe weather. And so here's, here's, here's the takeaway, the thought. We really need the body of, what we really need in the body of Christ is each other. What we really need in the body of Christ is each other. Look at this other picture of, of, of the redwood trees. Like, like this, is, this is true. You can actually drive, that's a suburban driving through a carved out middle of a redwood tree. It's, it's incredible. We really need the body of Christ. What we need in the body of Christ is each other. You were made for more. You were made for more. Specifically, uh, in, 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 this, in this thought right here, you were made for there to be more people in your life who are following Jesus with you. Now, here's what I can promise, right? I can promise you that this week you are going to face some opposition. You will face a trial. You will have a struggle. Not everything will go the way you uh, plan for it to go. You will have a setback. And if you face it alone, you're more vulnerable. That's just the way it works. You're more vulnerable, Look, I don't think the devil cares all that much if you just simply go to church. I don't think the devil cares all that much. I don't think the devil minds that at all. The only one you know, who wants you to think that you shouldn't be planted is your spiritual enemy who wants you to be isolated because when you're isolated, you're more vulnerable. So we need the family of God. Like, I need you and you need me. Like, we need the family of God. So, so catch this thought with me, Okay. The, the church, this is a big thought, the church isn't just a destination to attend. It's an identity to embrace. When I fully believe and understand that I am part of the family of God and that I need this family in order to survive, then the spiritual roots of my life will start to grow deeper. They'll start to grow deeper. And that is how I become planted. That is how I become planted. When you really understand this, it allows you to then take more ownership, which is what I want to talk to you about uh, for the rest of our time here, here together. More ownership. You see, you and I are a part of a global spiritual family. Right? You and I are a part of a global spiritual family. Think about that. There are believers right now 
Christians, followers of Jesus, gathering all around the world at this very second, just like us. You are part of a global spiritual family. You're also part of a local spiritual family, which is meeting right here, right now in this room. And even though that family, that spiritual family that we are tied into because of the blood of Jesus has a great purpose and a great mission in the world, like every family, this family has problems, right? This family has issues. People have issues. People have wounds. People have things that they're dealing with. But listen to me, those things only ever begin to matter to me when I understand that I'm part of the family, like I look around and I see people with issues and I see people with problems. We look around the world, they're like, oh man, what's going on? Those problems only begin to matter to me when I realize that I am tied into a family, that I am part of the, the greater family of God, not just globally, but also here locally as well. This is why we, you know, we, we, we send you know, a, a, over 100 presents to kids in Tijuana. Why? Because not just because this is a good project or because we feel bad of the conditions that these kids live in. All of that is true, but the reason why we send these presents to these kids in Tijuana is because they're part of our family. Right? They're part of our family. Why do you stick around potentially you know, a little longer after church on a Sunday morning to talk to somebody who looks like they're struggling? You do that because like, they're part of your family. Like, we're, we're tied into something that's bigger than ourselves, something, something that's, that's greater. And so look at this, this thought. Like, like, I believe that we have to stop living like the mission of the church is the sole responsibility of our pastors and some other key leaders. We must take ownership of our identity, that we really are the church, and allow that identity to affect how we live our lives. Because listen, if I am the church, if that is who I am, if that is my identity, then there are so many things that I just can't let myself ignore any longer. I just can't let myself ignore it any longer. Like when I understand this is my identity, this is who I am made to be, that I am grafted into the family of God, which is the body of Christ, which is the church in this world, that it's not just an institution, it's, 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 it's really not that. It's not this, this institution, institutional global thing that you know, is, is filled with like steeples and cathedrals and you know, pews and, and, and hymnals and all that stuff, like robes. Like that's not really what the church is. The church is the people of God on mission in this world to do what Jesus asked us to do. And when I understand that, and then there are so many things that I see around me in the church and outside of the church that I just cannot ignore. I can't let myself ignore. And so what it does is it, it should cause me to take more ownership of the mission of the church in this world, right? To understand that it's not just a mission that is, that is, that is specific to a select group of pastors and leaders, but that, that the mission of the church in the world is my mission, that this is, this is, this is my purpose, that this is, this is why God has me on this planet to partner with him in, in, in the great you know, missionary work of God on planet Earth. When I understand my identity as being the church, it causes me to then take more ownership of the health of the church. So then I don't just look at it as like a place that I go. I look at it like this is my family and there's a part of it that's not healthy. And so how can I help make it healthy? How can I use my time, my talent, my resources? How can I use my energy? How can I use what God has given me to help make this part of the church healthy? And again, this is, this is a global application, but it's also a local application as well. When I understand my identity as being the church, it causes me to then take ownership of the resources of the church. 
specifically locally, but, but that's not, it's not entirely. Like, we'll see causes happening around the world, and we're like, man, that's a big deal. Those people need something. I want to get behind what God's doing in the earth, and so I'm going to give my resources. I'm going to give money to that. But on a local level as well, when I, when I understand that this isn't just a place that I go, it's not just a place that I receive from, it's not just a place that I, that I, that I uh, you know, kind of get built up and, 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 and feel better, you know, on, on a Sunday before I start my week on Monday, but this is a place that I am, I, I, I am connected to, I am involved in, this is my family, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at the resources of the church differently. I'm going to look and, and, and I'm going I'm to pray this way. I'm going to ask God to show me what does the church need and how can I use uh, the things that God has given me, the resources that God has given me to help, to help make that happen. And then when I understand that this is my identity, it also caused me to take more ownership of the gaps that I see, to take more ownership of the gaps that I see in the church. I start to realize that serving isn't something that I have to do because they, they uh, got up there and they gave an announcement on a Sunday morning or they keep, they keep you know, throwing these announcement videos up on, on a stage that serving isn't something that I have to do. Something, serving is something I get to do. Listen to me right now. There are people right now serving in our children's room, in our nursery. There are people back in the, in the tech booth. We have our worship team here today. There are people uh, greeting today, you know, putting out coffee, setting out donuts, making sure all that stuff happens. We have people serving today. Why? Not just because they have to do it, but because they're partnering with a mission that is greater than themselves. They're, they're trying to, to, to partner with God to make sure that like, the mission of the church can happen so that people can, can receive the good news, so they can be encouraged in the things of God. They're, they're, they're living into the mission of the church. They're making sure that they, they fill in the gaps to facilitate a mission that is far bigger than themselves. And so in essence, when we're planted, we're not just spiritual consumers. We're not just spiritual consumers. Now there's a lot of spiritual content out there that you can consume. And there's some good content. There's some great podcasts you can listen to. There's some wonderful like worship music out there you can get on Apple Music or Spotify or whatever it is. You can find some great, 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 great content out there. That is not the same thing as being planted in the house of the Lord. That's great, like, supplement, uh, you know, supplementary uh, content that's good for you to help assist you in your spiritual growth, but it is not the same thing as being planted in the house of the Lord. And so I just, I just want to tell you a couple things here, and I'm, I'm getting close to wrapping up, but I just want you to know that, you know, I just... I just it just crossed the five-year mark of, of being the lead pastor here at the church. Um, let me just tell you a couple things. One, um, uh, it has been, it has been uh, a privilege. It's been an honor to be the pastor of this church. And uh, it has not been uh, the five years that I would have thought, you know, we were, we were about to get into when I, when I started five years ago. There's so many things that, like, haven't happened the way I wanted them to, and Things that I, I still have, like, dreams and desires and passions in my heart. I'm just like, God, God, like, when? You know, like, like, things that I just don't even know how to start or how to do or I just hope will happen, and I just, I just have to leave it in God's hands and pray for. But I'm humbled as I look over the last five years at the, at the kindness of God towards our church, like, really humbled by it. Like, I've seen so many incredible things, but as I've spent time really evaluating, you know, where we're at when it comes to our vision, I've noticed that, that a gap exists and that we are not where, like, where we could be. I know that our church has a lot to do with it, you know, uh, you know, I know that our church has a lot 
that it can do for the kingdom of God. Like, we've seen this. We've raised a lot of money to help people at this church. Like, we've sent people from our church to other countries. We've even fed thousands of people over the last few years. Like, our church is, is, has done a lot to help people. I know that there is a lot. And while all of that is great, I want you to know that my heart is to do so much more. My heart is to reach more people. My heart is to impact more people, to, to you know, help build the kingdom of God. And I know because of my conversations with so many of you that, that you share that desire as well. But what I have learned is that doing more doesn't ever just happen by accident. It doesn't just, just happen with, with good intentions, not just because like we gather and, and we come together and we pray and we worship and then like somehow this thing just, just, just happens. It doesn't just happen without a, without a plan or intentionality or a sacrifice. And so really, really my word for the year is the word more. My word for our church is more. We want more of God and we want to give God more of ourselves. And so my question for you in 2023 is very simple. It's just simply, what is your more? What is your more? What is your more? Like in 2023, you think maybe you could be someone who owns the mission more? Like the mission of the church in the world. Like you think you could be someone who owns the mission more? Like, like the mission of the church, you think that could be something that, you, that like stirs your heart, you intercede in prayer, you ask God to like, to like open up doors to cause us to, to like, to like you know, really accomplish the mission in greater ways in 2023, could you own the mission more? Could you own the health of the church more? Like, like specifically on a local level, but could you own the health of the church? Because it be something that like really uh, you become burdened by. You look out and you say, you know, not just, not just with, with critical eyes, you don't just let, let like your, your eyes produce criticism in you, but you let, you let like the eyes that God gives you to see things cause you to, to, just, to just really take ownership and to have compassion and to just say, hey man, like that, that's my church. I don't want it to be that way. Let me, let me own some of the health of our church in 2023. Could you be somebody in 2023 when you say, God, you know, what is my more? Could you be somebody who owns the resources and the finances of the church more than maybe you have? Could you be somebody who trusts God more in this area of your life who just says, you know what? Quite honestly, there are so many other things I'm giving myself to, and since I am the church, and this is my identity, and this is my family, then, then I have a responsibility to make sure that there is plenty to do the work of God, and, and you just challenge yourself. You know what? This is what it has been in years past, but in 2023, this is my more. This is my more. In 2023, can, can you be someone who looks at the gaps that you see in the church, and can you take ownership for them because this is your family and because you are planted, you're planted. Let me, just, let me just say it like this, again, if you're taking notes. Those who are planted understand that the church does not exist for them. Jesus' followers understand that they are the church and they exist for the world. There is a massive difference between simply going to a building and being plugged into a calling, a movement, and a mission. Okay? There's a big difference. And I just want to call you to the more. When you allow yourself to be planted and plugged into this, to this calling, this movement, this mission that Jesus has for his people in, in the earth, I am telling you that you will, you will find the more. You may, not, you may not find it all exactly overnight, but you will find the more that God has for you. These are two completely things, different things. Simply going to a building to attend church and being tied into a calling, a movement, and a mission. Two entirely different things. You know, secular sociologists have proven that the happiest people aren't the ones with less problems. 
as you might be surprised to hear, that the happiest people in life are not the ones who have less problems. I've always kind of thought it that way, you know? Like, like I look at people who seem to have less problems than me, and I'm like, they sure seem a lot happier than I am, you know? Like, like it, but, so, but secular sociologists have proven that the church does not, um, or the, I'm sorry, that, that uh, the happiest people aren't the ones with less problems, but they are the ones whose lives are making a difference in other people's lives. That the happiest people on earth are the ones whose lives are making a difference in someone else's life. Sociologists call this transcendent living. It's their term, not mine. Transcendent living, which basically means that the highest level of living that exists is when you can lay your head down at night knowing that you impacted someone else's life. The highest level of living. Interestingly enough, the Wall Street Journal even came out with this article that said, endorphins are actually released whenever you are generous. Whenever you do good on the behalf of someone else, that endorphins are released, that it, that it produces like a happy feeling in you. Listen to me. God designed humanity to be this way. This is the design of God. He designed us to function this way, to, to partner with him in, 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 do, in something that is like bigger than ourselves, a mission that, that, that's, that's beyond just like our local family, our, our you know, our, uh, you know, our, our, uh, you know, uh, our, our family and the people that we are tied into close, but to be a part of something that's bigger than that, to be a part of something that, that, that God is passionate about in reaching people all around our community and around our, our, our country and our, and our world. It's called transcendent living, that the happiest people in life are the ones who are living their life in a way that's making a difference for someone else. And, 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 and naturally, God designed us to, to actually feel better when we are doing this, when we are generous, and when we are using our life in a way to make a difference. And so I, I just, I just want to say that, you know, the primary way you start to discover the more is you become planted into something that is so much bigger than yourself. And, you know, that's really what, that's really what we're trying to do. That's really what the church is about. We're, 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 we're tied into something that's bigger than ourselves. And so you want to flourish, you want to find the more, the immeasurable more, you got to get yourself planted into the house of the Lord in 2023. You got to let this be a year of being planted, a year of the more. So there is more. There absolutely is more. Like, like, let me just give you like a, a like a like a, a simple kind of kind of kind of kind of theological thought. Like, when you become a Christian, you accept Jesus into your life. You have. There's this, this paradox because you have all of God in that moment, and yet there still is more. There's more. Like, there's more. And the more that you tap into is determined by the level of hunger that you really have in your life for God. Like I said, there's a lot of people who have come to church for a long time, been a lot of time around the church, and they've just come pretty, become pretty comfortable. Would you let yourself become hungry for God, for more of him? The way we find the more comes through a very, very, very specific way that Jesus talks about in uh, Matthew chapter six. Verse 33, Jesus says these words. He says uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, but seek first, okay? Everybody say seek first. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. In this, in this very same uh, passage, right before this, he talks about how, how we need to be careful not to be the ones who, who run after the same things that the pagans run after. He talks about how there has to be like a distinguishing 
uh, aspect to the people of God, that we don't just chase after the very same things. He says, he says I know that you're spending your life chasing this, and you, you feel like you need this, and you need that, and that these things are important, that you have to have your needs met, and you know, there's all these wants that you have as well. But, but Jesus makes this promise here that if you will seek first the kingdom of God, if you will seek first right living, living righteously in right standing with God, that, that uh, all of these things that you care about, even though they feel like they're on the peripheral as, as you zoom in on the kingdom of God, all of these other things are going to be taken care of as well. He's going to provide for you as well. So he says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And so you know, there's a lot of people who kind of get, get this mistaken thought or belief, you know, that well, I, I, I got to work my job. You know, I've got to raise my kids. I've got I've to do this and I've got to do that. Like, like, how can I honestly, like, seek first the kingdom? How, how can I really prioritize the mission of the church in my everyday life? Aren't there, like, specific people who are meant to do that? Like, depending on your tradition, you might think, well, that's the job of the priest or that's the job of the pastor or, or, or clergy or whoever it is. Like, like, no, 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 no. That's not what it is. Ephesians 4 tells us that, like, our job, our job as pastors is to, is to train you up to do the work of the ministry to be the people of God, to, to, to be the church, to make a difference in this world for Jesus. And so I want you just to let yourself become stirred this morning with a fresh vision of Jesus. You think back to who he is and what he has done for you. A fresh vision of Jesus, like hold him close, hold him in your view. Think of a fresh vision of his kingdom, like that his kingdom is both now and yet to come. That we look around and we see all kinds of darkness, we see all kinds of evil, we see all kinds of things that are just, you know, seems like they're taking ground. They're getting closer and closer and closer. The kingdom of God pushes back against the kingdom of darkness. The light that you carry inside of you and that I carry inside of me, it's the kingdom of God. It pushes back the darkness. You have to let your light shine. You have to be uh, the church. You have to understand that it's more than just somebody who stands behind a pulpit and, and preaches a sermon that, like, I am giving some light right here for sure, but all I'm really trying to do is to help you take some spiritual next steps, help make sure you don't just stay where you've been, but you move, that you let your light shine, that together as a church we come together. We provide for one another. We make sure that there's no one in need and we push back the kingdom of darkness together. And we do this by seeking first. First, it's a principle of priority. We seek first. And so a little, a little moment, I guess, of vulnerability in myself. You know, one of the things I, I long for the most as a pastor is, uh, is for the people I've been asked to lead to take more ownership of what God has asked us to do and be. Like that's what I, that's, I just, like, that's the stuff that keeps me up in the morning or at night and in the morning and through the night. Like that's the stuff. Like God, where are the ones who are gonna take more ownership of what we have been asked to do and what we've been asked to be? Who are, who are gonna make sure that they're not just spiritually consuming content, but that they're tied into a mission. They're tied into something bigger than themselves. They're tied into a family. I often wonder who else is, is in this? Who else has that kind of vision of Jesus and his kingdom that truly guides their life? That says, man, all these other things, they're just peripheral compared to him and his kingdom. Who in our church has a, a heart that burns 
and weeps for the mission of God in this world and understands that they are absolutely meant to be a part of it. Meant to be a part of it. Would you stand? Would you just bow your heads with me for a moment as we close? I just, a couple very, very simple questions. Will you let yourself take ownership? Will you take ownership of your spiritual development, ownership of kind of your faith, where it's at right now? Will you let yourself kind of be stirred up with this curiosity and this imagination that there actually might be more for you? Will you let yourself get planted? Will you let yourself get planted? And will you let yourself flourish? you're here today and you would just say, hey, Pastor Jordan, like I have not been planted like I need to be and today's the day I need to get planted. I need to start flourishing in my life with God. I wanna find the more. I wanna chase after the more that God really has for my life. I wanna make sure that I'm in the right environment to allow the more to happen, to allow the flourishing to happen. Can I just see every head bowed? Can I just see your hand? I just wanna pray for you. Just as your pastor, it's an honor to see kind of where you're at. I wanna pray for you specifically. Uh, no guilt, no shame in this room, no embarrassment, just you before the Lord. Father, I pray right now for those under the sound of my voice with their hand raised, you can go ahead and put them down if you'd like. Just uh, I pray, Father, for there to be great courage in this moment to not just uh, spend our lives foolishly chasing after the same things that the pagans chase after, but instead to intentionally spend our lives to plant ourselves in the house of the Lord to know that, that if we really want to live this life the way you intended for us to live it, if, if we really are gonna flourish in this life in all aspects, mind, body, and soul, if we're gonna flourish in this life that you've invited us to, to become planted in your house, to be consumed with your thoughts for this world, to care about your mission. And so God, would you right now, would you just help get these people planted? Would you put us in the right environment here in your house that causes us to become the people that you want us to be. And so, Lord, I just pray uh, peace over uh, every person here this morning. Lord, I, I, just, I just speak against uh, every competing voice, every competing vision, every competing thought that wants to continue to kind of get in the way and distract us, to pull us aside to the things that don't really matter. I ask for just fresh vision of you, Jesus, of you, King Jesus, a fresh vision of you, that there is really none like you. There's none who compare to you. And we ask for just a fresh vision of your kingdom, that your kingdom has come and it is coming, that it's manifesting here on earth, that it's pushing back the darkness. And I get to partner with that. I get to join my life into the kingdom of God to, to partner with what you want to do in changing people's lives and seeing the light of God transform people after people after people because I'm part of something that's bigger than myself. God, would you start right now burning up and you know, all the things that don't need to be there. Would you start right now stirring in us the thought for 2023, what is my more? What is my more? And we give this to you, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.